Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dad So Hard Nation. You are now listening to the Dad So Hard podcast and officially part of our large community that is out there. If you were a first-time listener, I'm your host, Vinny Dunleavy, and I welcome you, welcome you, welcome you to our show. If you were a long-time listener or a second-time listener, thank you very much for giving us a shot and coming back. We are just in the beginning of season four and exploring the concept of why do fathers and why do men like to dad hard? What gets us there? Today, I am thrilled. Uh, it is Veterans Day when this episode is dropping, and I have a close friend, colleague, and gentleman who also hosts his own podcast. And to share his story as a military dad and his journey on fatherhood and why it's important to him, um, it's fun, it's a good time, and I hope you enjoy it. Cue music. Welcome back, everybody. This is your co-host, Vinny Dunleavy. Today, I am so excited because we have been exploring the idea of what makes us fathers want a dad hard. Why do we do it? And if you've been listening so far this season, I hope you're enjoying it. We've had a great lineup, starting with number one, Danny McCartney, my co-host of this podcast. I think it was hysterical getting to know Danny in a little bit different way and uh, differently than we normally do. There's a ton of ton of more fathers, or not a ton. I'd say nine or ten. That's a ton in my mind. But stay with us on this journey today. I am thrilled because we have a father that I uh, am personal friends with. I am honored to call him a friend because this kind of gentleman is not somebody that you uh, you come across very often in your life. Um, he has uh, he not only does actually work together. So full disclosure, we share the same type of direct deposit. We both get it from the same place. Uh, I had the hire. I had the honor of being on a group of people that was able to hire this gentleman. And one of the best decisions I've made, I think, in my life. Uh, he uh, is not only fantastic as a man, as a father, we're going to get into it. He's phenomenal. Um, and as a servant to the United States of America, he is also most importantly a military vet, uh, a group of guys that we, uh, in my opinion, do not celebrate. And I say guys, a group of men and women. When I meant guys, I mean all people. These are men and women who are out there. Uh, voluntarily in many, many cases, putting their lives on the line so that I have the ability to get behind this microphone and sound ridiculous. They are fighting for the rights of free speech. It is an honor and honor. Um, and please join me in welcoming a very good friend of mine, uh, Mr. Hill uh, uh, Pluvos. There you go, Vinny. Welcome I'm telling this introduction. I, I feel like I got a class. I do my fake. I do the fake. Oh, here he is. <laughs> Um, so welcome, Hill. We have finally been able to make this happen. Benny, thank you so much. It seems like I've been waiting forever to do this. I love your show. I love the fact that you created a platform for dads. And you know me. I mean, we're, we're friends. And you know how much I love being a dad and listening to you talk about your kids. It just I just love your show. <laughs> well, Hill, it is an honor to have you on the show. And it, it, it's remarkable because we've been talking about this for a while. And I actually almost buried the lead, too, because we have to do a shout out for Hill. Uh, Hill also, we, we, I think we enjoyed our company when we first met via a Zoom call because I disclosed I had a podcast, which then Hill also disclosed he has a podcast. However, 
what I would say is uh, Hills is more of a actual video TV show because you record it and it is really something you watch and nobody needs to watch me doing this. People need to watch doing what you're doing. Uh, no, I think tell us first. Let's, let, <laughs> I want to make sure get, you, you want people could watch me. I mean, I, I don't know if you want to. <laughs> I don't know. My, my, my dad bod is not uh, on fleek these days, uh, but Hill, what would tell, what, what are you call? Uh, what's your show about? What's the name? I want to make sure I get it right. And let's get people, let's get that out of the way. Thank you so much, Vinny, because I want it to be all about you, but you're such a selfless <laughs> person that you make it, you know, about us. So thank you so much. We the will get my- Hill Hill. Let's be clear here. We will get there and it will be about me eventually. <laughs> <laughs> the name of the show is vet talk with Hill because I created the show because I see a lot of the guys that I served with feel like they didn't have a voice or they didn't have people that they can just tell about their experiences. And I decided to, to make it not only uh, an audio, like you said, I wanted the video so people can see who they are. So we interview a wide range of veterans from the guys who work, uh, you know, a nine to five to celebrities and we enjoy it. We just sit down and have that good old military talk. So thank uh, you. For, and I, for, I, I for think it, I think it's phenomenal. I, uh, my father was in the Navy, so he is a veteran and, uh, I probably have other great grandparents, but there weren't many other, uh, immediate folks uh, in my family. Uh, I think it's a huge honor to do it. And I do think that shows like yours make being a vet personal. And one of the things that, uh, as we've worked on it, and I've gotten to know you and learned more about the military community, I think one things that one of the things that we may not, which is very similar to fatherhood is that the community is way more diverse than what people think. That's and right. just like fathers cannot be stereotyped by a uh, number of kids, what you look like. And sometimes fathers are underappreciated in a lot of ways. I actually think there's a num- number of similarities with the military vet community um, uh, based on the, all the different walks of life they come from, the varying ages of what you become a vet, right? Because you become a vet when you leave the military. Some people leave in their 20s. Some people leave in their 60s. Like, it's a huge, the probably the most diverse group of people in the United States. And so I think uh, there's a lot of similarities with the approach to fatherhood or when you say you're a dad or you say you're a vet, the judgments that you get into. So uh, I can't wait to get into it with you today about this. And, and by yeah, the way, I agree. And that's a great point you made. And, uh, and you know, also dads come in veteran, veteran comes in, come in dads. Right. So a hundred percent. Listen, hope most vets, I mean, Anybody who's in the military, somebody had a father create them. Whether, I mean, at that point, at this point in the world, science hasn't caught up to us yet. So <laughs> there is somewhere there's a dad. Maybe they weren't around. Maybe they weren't around. But like we all still, so dad, dads have created every vet, uh, uh, whether or not every vet is a dad. But yes, it's very similar. So wait, we have to, I want to pause for a second because so we have to introduce. I can't sit here and interview you without looking at the love of your life sitting on your lap. Please tell us about this gentleman that I get I get to I get to see my little boy, Lucas. He's four. And obviously you've met him uh, over Zoom before over uh, uh, camera before. And he's four. And I've been a dad for four years. And he's probably the greatest thing I've ever. Well, he's definitely the greatest thing I've ever created. The greatest ever. And he's so sweet. And he's such a, a daddy's boy. Everything that I'm doing, he wants to do it with me. That's and the way to I do it. it. That's amazing. Listen, I, I, we have to sell Celebrate the involvement at any point. If he wants to answer a question, let's throw him in. There's no, definitely, there's, and we have because I got an head, headset, so he doesn't hear you. So that's why. <laughs> oh, he can't hear me. He just he just sees this crazy man with glasses on. So, um, 
Oh, I hear him there. I love it. Oh, you want to say hello to Vin? I say hi. Say hi. What's this? What we do? Hello, Luca. Hi. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I got a question for you. On 10 on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being awesome, how would you rate your dad, Hill? Everything. Yeah, that's it. Love it. Love it. A 10. Good stuff. Daddy. Oh, nice. Do you want me to tell him you said I'm going to you? You got it. You got it. Uh, now I have to get to tell Hill what he what he answered. I asked him a question, Hill. I said, on the scale of one to ten, how would you rate your father? And he said everything. <laughs> oh, he's my favorite. He's 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 the best. Like he he loves daddy, and I, I love it, man. I love the fact that my son loves me this much. We do everything together, man. I'm well, also, Hill, Hill, you just said you just said he's your favorite, and I believe. The, the competition for that right now is pretty low since there's not another <laughs> child in the house. That's right. That's right. He's the only one for now. Unless, but, um, unless you are, unless you are now freely admitting there are other kids you've been ignoring all this time. No, not at all. My brother, not at all. I don't think I have the heart to do that. Hmm. Things. Mm. Now you do have one on the way. So I think you could, <laughs> I, I, I mean, this is, he must be, Aren't you? I wait. Did I have? I I have in my notes though that you're expecting. No, we're planning to have another. No. Oh, well, I, no. I I think it's breaking news. Erica. <laughs> okay, Betty. She told contacted you she me, told me and she told you before she told me. Told me on this podcast, I was breaking news that Tell by the time this with... airs, by the time this airs, you're going to be expecting. Tell me you're joking with me, Betty. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, she's standing behind the door in the room you're in, Hill. Whatever, she's at work. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, this would be the best reveal of a pregnancy ever, ever, that if that be. was true. That, that would be amazing. Be. But you almost so, had me, though. I, it, would be, it would be phenomenal. So let's go back. I, I, I know you love being a dad. I know you love being a vet. But uh, bring me back to when you were a child. Let's go back to the beginning. I like to get into this about like understanding our own childhood and our own relationships with our parents. Now, I know you have an interesting background because you, if I listen, this is a challenge for me to remember everything you've told me. So yes. at any point I could be correct. No, but no, you are you 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 came to the U.S. Uh, as a young lad from Haiti. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And I don't remember if you came with both your parents or just one. Just my mother. You're just your mother. So do you, yes. re, do, was your, do you remember your father? Unfortunately, I didn't meet my dad until I was maybe nine. Oh, wow. Okay. So I grew up in a single parent household, but luckily I had my grandfather who was the man in the house. And I met my dad at the age of nine because I wanted to meet him. I remember one day my mother had already moved to the States and I told my grandmother that I wanted to meet my father just to meet him, just so I can get eyes on him. And when I met him, we immediately developed a relationship, right? And growing up, I was so angry at him because he didn't, I feel he didn't do what fathers are supposed to, right? Be there. But at the same time, things happen. People have their own stuff they have to deal with. And when I got to meet him, I thought he was the sweetest person in the world. And he accepted me as as his child from from the day that I met him. And uh, right before I came to the States, he got sick and he sent my sister after he remarried to come get me to go visit him. And that anger came back and I told him, no, I didn't want to see him. Right. Because I yep. was just angry, even though he was a nice person. 
because I said to, to myself, you weren't there when I was born. So there's no reason for me to be there while you're sick, whatever it was. I would just, and I regretted it years down the line. Then I moved to the States and my grandmother went back and she told me he had passed away. So I regret uh, that. Yeah. So do, so how, in terms of unpacking that, cause that's a lot. And I think your ability on, I've always been astonished by is your ability to pragmatically think about the things that have occurred in your life but emotionally understand the impact they've had, but not let it debilit- uh, not let it be debilitating. Like a lot of people go through trauma, whether it's big trauma or small trauma, all that stuff that you just described is trauma for a young nine-year-old, all those years, a boy to go through. Mm-hmm. What was it about the way your mother and grandfather were raising you where you think, did you, when you were, when you think back to that age back then, where would you describe yourself as a happy kid? Did you understand what was going on? Or like, do you think, when you look at back on it now, was it because of the strength of one of them and the way that they conducted themselves that you weren't necessarily traumatized in a way where it's it's still haunting you on a like a daily basis today? Vinny, you have a way of asking these really intelligent questions, Vinny, and that's such a good question because as you were asking, I was thinking in my head and putting myself in in the shoes of the nine year old Hill, right? Because we grew up poor, yeah. in Haiti. We were extremely poor. So, but every day was fun for me, right? We can go outside and play soccer with other kids, barefoot running around and stuff like that. So I don't really think about those things until one day my aunt said, because my father was better off, right? He was better off in Haiti and my aunt too. And one day she stopped by our house, his sister, and told us that she ran into him inside of a big store equivalent to Toys R Us back in the days, right? He was buying toys, but for his other kids. And that bothered me, right? That bothered me. So I had to figure out a way to, to deal with that. But as a kid, I was always creative. So we used to make cars out of cardboard boxes and stuff like that. And I, I asked myself, how come I couldn't get a toy from that store? I had to make my own. So that bothered me for a while. And caught myself being angry. And then we moved to the States. And as a teenager, it hurt me more to see that I could have made him a better person. But I, I failed to do that. Not that I was blaming myself for it, right? As a teenage man, maybe if I had gone to visit him, I could have talked to him more and say, hey, this is what you did to me. This is how I feel, but no hard feelings. I understand things happen. But how did you, so he'll just, so what's fascinating about that is you, you come to the States and as a young teenager, you're thinking about your father and instead of continuing to get more angry at him, you're, what you're actually thinking is, what could I do to get him to understand me more? That's, that's a real reverse form of empathy of where you're going, because you're not even, I'd be like, yo, F you, I'm, I am done. Right now you're on Long Island. You're like, to me, you're in an environment that's not going to breed caring about your parents. You're turning into a high school kid. You're going to be like, screw them. This is what they did. Was that because of your mom? Like, what What were you having? Was it religion? Like, what about that? You're no, part no, of your not at all. Not at all. It was maybe because of my grandfather, because my grandfather was hard work and he took care of the family. And I think at times, like, Maybe my father wanted to do something. He just, he, maybe he was young. Maybe, I, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but I know yeah. that I should have been, I feel like I still should have been a better son, right? And have a conversation with him. And to the point, Benny, years later, I went and con- reconnected with my brothers and sisters who I did not know until I came oh, to wow. because of that. And I am friends, I'm really close to my sister who's in Florida now from my father's side. She's the she's the first uh, child. 
and my younger brother who is still in Haiti. I still connect with them because of. So then like when I did you, at what age did you start thinking about then your own wanting to have a family? And at what point did you have a vision? Because I think most guys in this country who are single, not married, are like, uh, I think the notion of having kids is like, I'm not doing it. Do you, when you think back to like 20 year old Hill, you're, you're at that point, I think you were in college, pre-military or were you in the military? No, no, 20, I was in the military. You're in the military in 20 years old, right? So now you're in the military. Are you thinking about, I'm going to have kids one day or is like, where was the, being a father and your Rolodex of the shit coming up in your life, where was fatherhood? I feel like you're being my therapist right now. And this is good. I love it. Um, Luckily, I have a younger brother from my mother's side who's three and a half years younger than I am, younger than me, right? So we really developed a really good, close relationship. So he was sort of like my son in a way. So I got to see that. I got to raise him, right? So when I got in the military, I knew I wanted kids. I knew I wanted to be a better father than I had, right? I wanted to be that father that I didn't have, right? I wasn't, I didn't want to become that person to just leave my kid and leave my kid feeling that way. So I wanted to be a better father and always knew I wanted kids. And, but I, I had my own rules. I knew that I had to finish the military. I had to be home because after the military, I was working for the Department of Defense, which kept me out the country. 99% of the time I was always gone. And I knew that I had to get at least a bachelor's first. So that way I, I know I can provide for my kid. So I did those things. And actually, my son was just a couple of months old when I came back to this, when I graduated from college the first time, when I got my first bachelor's. And I just wanted to set myself up first. So can you talk about Hill? Like, I, I think what I've always been amazed by, too, is that you, you're an immigrant into this country. You're growing up with a single mom. You enter the military, I think. In the, my, you know, my experience in the military, especially with family, there's all different kinds of stories of what goes on. You have separated moms and dads. You have couples that are different parts of the world. How did, I guess, you, you were set up for arguably a challenge to then, like, you know, 20 years later, be like, you're going to end up in a very, you know, healthy, traditional uh, monogamous relationship with a family and a kid, nuclear family. Uh you know, you like, how do you think you avoided falling into the traps of a lot of the stereotypes that both the media and the environment that you were in that allowed you to sort of rise above the stereotypes, right? Um, yeah. Because I think you had, I just think there's, it feels like you were up against more than what the typical uh, Long Island dad would be. Uh, for anybody, obviously they can't see us, so you're also a black man. So in the world of like everything you're going up against in the world of the eighties and nineties, how did you not, how did you actively, was it an active decision? Like I may be in the military, but like, I'm not going to necessarily like screw around. I want the 100%, 100% Vinny, 100%. I've always been very, I didn't want to be a statistic, right? You know how they say the statistic, typical black guy or typical, there's typical Marine going. I didn't want to be that. Right. I knew I wanted to be stay. I, I wanted a stable home. And that's exactly what I did. That's I had relationships when I was in the military, but I knew because I was moving around a lot, like either, you know, I was taking my whoever I was dating at the time with me, wherever I rotate yeah. or married or whatever. It was. But I knew it wasn't going to be until I get stable. But did you know, and I, part of me likes to think it is much easier said than done. 
Like when you lead being a lead, when you're in front of the pack and you're leading, it is a lonely place to be. That's right. Did you, while you were saying, I don't want to be a statistic looking back on it. Did you think you were being different than the folks around you or maybe it's me or, or were there more guys like you that were also doing it the same way? And, and you were sort of going, well, I, I don't want to be a system, but none of us do. Why do people think of like, like I'm trying to understand. Are you saying in terms of African-Americans or guys in the military? Or just in the military. I think about like a lot of military, like there's not as yeah. many. Some of world, us. Yeah. It's, it's both sort of combined in this world of like, you're a single mom, you're, you're, you know, you're immigrant with a single mom, you're, you're going to college. I mean, you're working your butt off. It feels like the story could feel like that's that, that is like an impossible feat. But I don't like I don't maybe it maybe that's just the narrative that we've created out there. And it's actually not as difficult and we shouldn't be thinking of it as difficult. But the problem is the way the media portrays it. We don't you know what I mean? Like, is there more? Yeah. Is yeah, it not as, uh, yeah. Like, you know, and, you know and, what I'm saying? You know, I lived before I joined the military. I lived in Queens. Right. No. A black neighborhood. And not the wealthiest neighborhood. So all of these things existed, right? Gangs and drugs and all of that. So my whole goal has always been to avoid all of that. And then I have a younger brother who does everything that I do. So automatically the pressure's on. I have to walk a straight line. I have to walk a tight line. And that was the the first thing. And then you come in the military and now obviously you're traveling the world. You're living in different parts of the world. You meet women and this and that. Again, I'm avoiding being one of those dads. So I... All of those things you said, I saw some people who didn't think about it and they ended up, you know, having kids and, you know, God bless them, things worked and or may not have worked for them. But I knew I wanted mine to work. Gotcha. Now, do you think of that when you think about being public, is that, as being a public figure, having your podcast and and now being a father, do you in the current environment we're in, do you feel like there is more responsibility on you both sort of as, I mean, I think you're a role model as a vet, you're a role model as a father and you're a role model as a, as a, as a black man. Do you feel you, is that a, do you, could it feel like it's a burden to you at times? Or is it like you don't worry about? Not a burden at all, but I definitely do worry about it. Not a burden. As you said before, I don't know if you meant to say it, maybe the media put things out that way. Right. Or maybe yeah, yeah, I told you, I don't, I don't, I'm not agreeing with, uh, but I, but I can understand that, that you may feel like, oh, like it's against me. I mean, it's just yeah. a matter of the world. Maybe it's harder. The no, world, I like, never, I never try to play the victim. Never try to play the victim. It's so yeah. the world is against me and they're cornering me, but I know these things exist. And l- like you said, it's just a matter of changing that perspective. Right. And it's a matter, and shout out to you for having a, a podcast like this, where you can bring in people like me to tell these stories. So people who listen can say, oh, maybe it's not what I thought, or maybe it is what I thought, or maybe we need more of this. So everything that you're doing now makes it right. And these are the things that we need to, to do, right? Have these conversations, have them in the open. I knew that I didn't want people to assume that because I'm a father, I'm just not going to take care of my son. And mind you, it's something that a lot of people, a lot of women who come from non Black uh, women who are non-black, a lot of times their parents feel that way about black men. And Erica obviously is not uh, yeah. not black; she's Hispanic. So, but I never faced any of that from from her family. The minute that they met me, they loved me. They thought I was great. No, I mean, listen, I, I I do think there's a portrayal in the media of the non-around baby daddy. I mean, there's that that notion of like the uh, uh, the black women they have multiple fathers, and you don't know what you're what you're going to do. 
And and I it's remarkable to me because I think there is such a vibrant community of of multicultural fathers that are out there, and especially black men. And in the dad blogging world, um, there's a tremendous amount that I've met and become friends with. And it's impressive to me, but I'm also sort of sadly disappointed that more people don't know about these guys. And I think yeah. part of it is I fear it's because it goes it goes against the narrative of what is out there. But there is a tremendous amount of these of, of uh, black and African-American fathers that are doing tremendous work, actively involved. And, and I almost want it's sort of like sometimes dads, we don't get enough credit yep. or we get sometimes we get too much we get credit for being for just showing up yeah and which sucks too easy. that's credit. our job that's what we're supposed right. to do supposed but i think when you're fair. but when the expectation is even lower right then i feel like what i feel like you got to give them even more credit because they're it, it's harder right it's harder than say where i'm coming from uh uh and i'm just it, to me it's a fascinating thing and i just the more i could shine a light on it i think we have, we have to respect that when you think about then uh so now, oh, I love your son is like delicious. I'm staring at him, everybody. He's like <laughs> hugging and holding. He's like the best. He's ready to sleep. He will not leave me alone. <laughs> so when you think about the journey you're on, and he's now like five, right? Or four. He's no, four. He's, he's four. He's, he's four, turning four. five. You're close. I'm becoming pretty good at guessing kids' ages. <laughs> uh, if you could flip back to the day that you're in the hospital, Eric is holding him in, your, in her arms. You're staring at her going, what? did I get myself into what is Hill today telling Hill of four years ago on that, in that moment, what advice I you think give yourself? that day, because we got so much support from her family, her mother and her sister, yeah. they were all there. It was more like, welcome to the world. We're here to stand with you for you. And whatever it is that you are going to face in life, we're going to face it with you. So I felt, I didn't feel anything negative at all. It was more, it was joy. It was, like, I loved that day. Like, I have, I, I took his first picture. I changed his first diaper. I gave him his first meal. I, I like, I, I just, it was just a beautiful event for me. So, so that but when day, you look back to that now, but go fast forward to then the, the, the months and the years later, is there anything you would say to yourself going into the past four years? What, what is there, is there some other bigger picture advice you would say? Cause you, you ride, you ride the moment. You're like on that yeah. motorcycle enjoying yep. the wind every single time it hits you. Right. Yep. So yep. maybe you would, is the advice to yourself, like, don't, don't change. Don't let it change. You don't yeah, worry about that's it. it. Or that's it. Don't change. And I think because of him, I'm a smarter father now I'm better prepared. Right. And so when the next one come, I'll be a pro, right. I'm a pro. I, I remember I mean, changing I, his diaper. I was afraid to change him. I was like, is he going to break? Is it going to, and my, my mother-in-law is just grabbing him, flipping him around and I'm like, cause she's done it before. I'm like, I, now, I think the next one, I'll be a pro. I mean, I would love if there was a video camera watching any of that hill, it would be amazing. I'll with, show you with, a video. With, with your <laughs> smile, it is it is incredible. Nothing, nothing phases you. What do you think? It, what drives you crazy about being a dad? What what are, in terms of when you think of whether it's your day-to-day, when you think of society, when you just think about the things where you're like, oh, this is really what what's on your what's one of the things on your list? that makes you passionate about talking about fatherhood because it drives you crazy. There was a time where I was working seven days a week, Benny. I had two jobs and I didn't get a, you know, to spend enough time with my son that drove me crazy. So when I think of fathers who have to, this is just a way of life. I had to do it for a year, one year. That's it. And I think of fathers who just have to do that for four or five years and don't get to spend time with their kids. It breaks my heart. 
it breaks yeah. my heart because no father should should have to do that. And I think, and also shout out to women who just do it, right? They just do it. Right. When I was gone, Erica stepped up to the plate and Erica's a nurse. She works like crazy, but when she's home, she's doing all of these things by herself. And now that I'm able to work just a nine to five and come home and spend as much time with my son as possible. is something that I love, but not being able to do that at first drove me crazy. Do you, and do you think when you weren't able to do it, do you feel like there was extra pressure as a man that if, even if there was an opportunity for you to say bang out 30 minutes early from somewhere, do you feel like as a man, you would have, did it cross your mind to say, I have to go do something with my kid. And you feel like that would, would have been acceptable or do you think it would have risked the political fallout of that and whatever gig you were in at the time probably would have probably would have been a risk, but um, <laughs> they know when five o'clock hit or when my time hit, though, I'm on that train. I don't care. I got to go. My son, I haven't seen him the way that I want to see him. I got to go. I got to go. And now I put him to bed every night. So that's my thing. At yeah. 930, friends call. They text. Oh, hell can't come. Hell can't do this because he's putting his son to bed. But I think I, what I love about that is that it also means that you you know, I've talked to a lot of people about work-life balance. And I always say to somebody, you have to choose the work-life balance you want. You have to choose the life you want. You have to choose the kind of work you want to do, right? Work-life balance is, well, what kind of work and what's your career aspirations? What kind of life do you want? What are your life aspirations? And you find a balance that works for you. But uh, what I've always loved about it, Hill, is you always take that personal responsibility over it and you own it. And yep. in a day and age where there's a lot of no, nobody wants to take personal responsibility for stuff. It drives me crazy. And I think there's more guys who um, are more and more. We're doing it, which excites me about like fatherhood and, and what's going on. And that's why I love your show. <laughs> Cause I see that a lot. No, oh, yeah, it's a Listen, there's a lot. We got a lot of work to do out there. I, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm tr and listen, this is therapy for me. I'm trying You're to leading change. this fight. You're leading this fight and I'm behind you. I'm a, I'm a Marine baby. I got it. Listen. <laughs> Anybody that follows me on Facebook personally or Instagram personally, which everybody can do, you can figure out my name. Uh, I've, there's a lot going on. This, I, 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 I had some, some situations this weekend. I had to deal with some high school kids in my town. And I am of the notion that like people just got to take responsibility. And my trigger, Hill knows this about me, but Hill, what I've recently realized is yep. there is a statement. There's a number of things that trigger me. But if, if you want to say, what is the thing that is currently triggering me to lose my mind and when in a conversation with somebody is when I ask a question and they just go, that's the way it's always been done. It's never going to change because that's the way it is. I lose my mind. If you want me to take you down and destroy you single-handedly, I will lose my mind to, to, to shut down the opportunity to be better. And to me, yep, this yep. idea of, I want fatherhood. I want us all to be better, but in order to be better, we need to have an honest conversation with what's broken. And that's not criticism. That's not humiliating anybody. That's just saying, guess what? Today, that behavior was a mistake. So tomorrow wow. let's be better, but to be better, I need to make sure the person involved understands why what they did was screwed up and to avoid that conversation with whether it's a high school kid a spouse, an employee, like you just have to be able to say to somebody, honestly, like, I got to give you feedback. It's not the end of the world. I still like you as a person in this situation, you screwed up. And that, and I just wanted to tell you, like, in my mind, and I think I, I've of the notion of it is I also need to be able to receive it. Right. And I was watching, I don't know if it was the today show. I think it was today show on Hoda copy. And somebody gave her the feedback of like, 
when it might have been Oprah. Oh, this is one of these situations how I make stuff up. Somebody's going to Google this and you never know who it's from. <laughs> but uh, I may, I'm going to say it's a combination of Hoda and Oprah. Uh, and it was a situation <laughs> where if somebody, gives you, if somebody gives you feedback, and normally the first thing we do is say, thank you, thank you. You sort of like poo-poo it. You want to say, oh, thank you for saying it to me. But like what happens when you're saying thank you is you're not listening. You're not hearing it, right? And I think what I'm trying to do now is whether it's a positive or negative, when somebody says something to me, I take a deep breath and go like, you know what? I can receive that. And then I say, thank you. And I think we have to be able to receive whatever somebody's saying to us, whether it's positive or negative. I'm trying not to respond so quickly. And if it's positive, thank you. If it's negative, I go, I can receive that. I will listen and I will be better. And I, and I think we just have to give each other the mutual respect to do that back to people and say, listen, what occurred is unacceptable and you need to go talk to your kids about it. Not the end of the world, but, for, but to then, but for people, but for people to start going, don't, it's never going to change. Don't bother out of my mind, out of my mind. I lose my shit. 100%. And that's why, again, it goes back to your show. That's why this is so important. How often do you see these conversations, right? I hang out with dads all the time. You know, where my son goes to school, I made friends with some of the dads. Sometimes we go out and they come over here and we watch, yep. we talk privately about these things, right? But we don't have it in the open like you're doing now. And I think what you're doing, more of it is needed. For that well, and I think the pro- and I think 100% agree with you. And I think the, the challenge with that is, and this gets on a whole nother topic of, I think, when you get into the idea of what masculinity and fatherhood is and the portrayal of dads, is that guys talk about it privately because publicly when you talk about your kids and things like that, oftentimes it is seen as not manly. It is seen as not masculine. It is seen as not something it's seen as something that makes you less of a man by worrying about if you were to actively go, Holy cow, next month, I'm worried about missing my kid's recital. I honestly think depending on the crowd of people you say that in front of, you'll get razzed by a group of guys and they'll go, Hill, what are you talking about? Who kids, who cares about your kid's recital? You want to go see that play? That show's going to suck. Like, I, I just think it's like, but that's not the point. The point is like, I'm even my celebrating daughter, my kid. I'm said correct. And, and that should be something we should all push guys to be more emotional about and emotive to go, dude, it's cool to be with your kid. It's cool to take a bath with them, get them dressed, take them shopping. Um, and, it, and, I, and, and to that degree, it shouldn't be a surprise when you show up in a restaurant and it's like the dad and, and his two kids. It's like, Come on, like it happens. Oh, another one. I go and we go to a Yankees game. I think my son was two at the time. My wife and my mother-in-law were sitting with us, and I decided I was going to take change my son, take him to the bathroom to change him. So I picked him up, grabbed the the wipes to go change him, and everyone at the stadium who saw me were clapping, were super happy, as if like, okay, I mean, it's me. Like, what? Like, huh? Like I do this regularly, and my wife does it. If she would have done it, no people wouldn't care, right? But the fact nobody's, that nobody's no, no, doing it, it's like, oh my god, this is incredible. This is we've never so seen a, this. A question for you, and this is this is a good segue because you really give me a, a promo for later on in the season. Um, uh, was there a changing table in the bathroom at Yankee Stadium? There you had one. Thank God. Thank and God. Well, ever, yeah. No, is it when part I of the reason think- why they have there? Is later on this season? This is a little. Uh, so this is uh, an instant promo kill. Later on yeah. the season, I'm talking uh, to Mr. Dante Palmer, 
uh-huh. who is the founder of the charity Squat for Change. And he's a, a young guy out of, I think it's Georgia. Hopefully I got that right. I think it was in Georgia. But he wa- he took a photo of himself in a bathroom stall like four years ago, changing his son's diaper and was like, what is going on? And then it started a revolution. Um, I, I like to think of it as a revolution because now when I go to bathrooms and I see a changing table in a, in a men's bathroom, I'm like, thank God, where was this? Yep. Like, like, I, I experienced that. I've gone to, to some bathrooms that didn't have it, but my wife would take him and they would have one for her. But I think it's, I actually think it's powerful for, and this sounds like, listen, I'm a big, I'm a big bathroom guy. I spent a lot of time in the bathroom. The bathrooms <laughs> are a very intimate place. They're very private. It's personal. There's a lot of personal stuff that happens yeah. in a bathroom, right? Yeah. Every it's yeah. the one universal thing we all do as human beings is pee and poop. We all yep. do it in a bathroom, right? It's the, it's the great equalizer of, of, of humanity. But when you're a young man and you go into a bathroom stall and you see a changing table there, whether you are five, 10 or 17 years old, what that says is when you have a baby, you have the, there is an expectation and a responsibility that you're going to be coming in this bathroom and changing a diaper. And if you think about when we grew up, we never saw that. So what did that message tell me? That message that, said, yep. go out, party that, and drink, pee and poop, pee and poop. You don't have to worry about anybody else. Now yep. I'm taking a poop and I'm like, oh, my God, it's changing tables right here. Oh, what a reminder. What a reminder. I have to go. I'm going to have a kid one day and I have to change a diaper. Number one, it's great birth control. Instead of having condoms in the bathroom, changing tables everywhere helps everybody. But number two, like it reminds you, you have a job to do as a father. Right. So I just think it's a. It's it's a it has a bigger impact than just making our lives easier when you're out with your kids. But it's, for it's, me, it's, it makes me feel it makes oh. me feel as an equal. Yeah, right. Not just my wife. This is her job. No, it's just our job, right? If my wife can't run to the bathroom with them, I got to do it. If I can't run, she does it. Well, it's so even like, like when they sell partner. baby products, they they used to only sell diaper bags for moms. And yeah. I was like, well, well, this is society. And the marketing machine saying the only person who has to worry about diapers is the mother because there physically is no way for the dad to have a, a, a bag to carry diapers around unless he wants to have a bag that's designed for a woman. And not that a man can't carry a purse. Yeah, I, I've been caught with a purse once or twice, but like I'll carry a bag, but like they're not, they're designed functionally for a woman. So like, well, how can I be yelled at for not doing diapers if nobody's even giving me that's nobody in society even thinks I should have a diaper bag. One of my one of my good friends when Lucas was born was born he's still in the military now sent me a military diaper bag a camouflage di- oh. diaper bag I thought it was the coolest thing in the world so I still have that I'm saving. Well, I have a question for you because I've had this I've had mixed when I've talked to my buddies from the military and I've bought I had like camo shorts and I've had friends that are in the military go why any civilian would want to buy camo clothes. They cannot wrap their head around. So well, I, that's a question I have for you. Like, do you would you wait? Would you buy camo clothes for your son, or are you like, I'm done with camo. I don't need camo. It used to be like that, but now I like it. It's, it can be fashionable. It can be for for, for style. Yeah, I still do. All right. So you you're not against the camo. You're not against the camo. no. I'm I'm not against it. I think it's pretty cool actually. Oh, right, you're still into it. So uh, let's talk about wins and fails. Wins and fails this week. As we, uh, what. We're going, start with, we're going to start with the negative side because I like to end on a high note. What do you think in the last 72 hours? You're like, oh, this is my dad mistake. My dad mistake. My dad failed a week. 
What did you do in the last 72 hours? You're like, that was not good. I think I kind of overslept a little bit. <laughs> and <laughs> because my wife works long hours and she's usually more tired than I am. And um, sometimes I try to give her more time to sleep and I take Lucas. And Lucas is so attached to me that he would completely ignore my, avoid my wife and he'll come and sleep with me. So yes, the other day, she slept in his room with him. And then <laughs> he woke up, came to the room and I overslept and he just stayed with me and for the whole, uh, for half of the day. And we missed out on so much that we had planned to do that we didn't get to do. So that's the, that's the fail. And I have to tell you, right before Halloween was my birthday. So my sister-in-law slept here and she slept in the room with my son. So when my son woke up, he thought that was his mother. So he started screaming, no, I want daddy. I want daddy. Because she and my wife look alike, right? And then my, my sister-in-law said, no, no, it's Titi. And he looked at her. He said, Titi. And then he hugged her and went back to sleep. Oh, my God. Amazing. What I, what I love about your fail of the week, it is so selfless because you're like, I messed up by oversleeping because that meant my son missed out on things that we had planned. That is a yes. very... If I can only tell you, my fails are like, oh, I did this. I tortured my kid. I created... My fails usually mean uh, I've I've done more harm than good to my child, and I will make it up in therapy bills. Um, <laughs> that's what my fails. My fails are not. I don't. You don't want to hear. Nobody wants to hear my fails of the week. On Maybe a good I note, don't think, you don't fail. You don't. Fail. Um, uh, you, I've seen you with your kids. We have a fun family dynamic. We survive in the Dunleavy. <laughs> the Dunleavy. It is survival. It is a twenty-four hour news cycle in this household. Uh, Hill, what are we celebrating? What are we, what, for the people out there that can be like, you know what, dads do things right. What are you proud of that you did this week? What are you like, you know what, I'm patting myself on this back. Oh, it was, it was my birthday and then it was Halloween. We got to do a lot of Halloween stuff with, with my son for my birthday. He came out with us. We got in the limousine and he went back to school and bragged to his friends about it, about, oh, I got to celebrate my dad's birthday. So I thought that was really cool. I think that's fantastic. uh, that yeah. at, at the age of 53, you included your son in your birthday. <laughs> I am not 53 for the people listening. All right. I'm under 40. <laughs> oh, so hell, don't one. don't try to act like you're young. I said you were a baby in the 80s and you didn't correct me. I slipped that in there. <laughs> and that's crazy because I go pick up my son from daycare and it's only me and two other dads who do it. And it's about 70, 80% women that go pick, yeah. pick them up. And I remember one of, every time my son comes out of school, he comes running and screams, daddy, daddy, and hugs me really tightly. And this woman said, what did you do to get your son to do that? Because I've been trying to get my kid to do that. And she's like, no, she's not hugging her mom. And I said, I just spent so much time with my son that every time he sees me after not seeing me for, for, for a long period of time, he gets like this. And I, well, that, I think that is, a, that is the most uh, amazing gift. And I think when you're a father, people always wonder, like, why did you do it or why do you do this? But I think to be after school standing there and having your son run out with his arms open, yelling, daddy, daddy, Most that is a tremendous, that, that alone is the, is, is, that's the, that, that is the paycheck. That's the direct deposit you need to want to say, this is why I did it, why, why I don't sleep at times, why I go crazy, why I work all the time, why we do what we do. It's for that gift, which is incredible. That's right. Uh, Hill, I could do this for hours. I uh, I love it. I, uh, uh, I I I hope everybody listening has enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. Um, I think 
I can't tell anybody enough. If, if you haven't paused this podcast and gone to Instagram or your iTunes app or wherever you listen to podcasts and search that talk with Hill, please do it because uh, we all need a little, everybody needs to rate review and follow. And you'll learn a little bit more about uh, maybe a group of people in this country that you didn't know about before. And we can all, in my mantra of being better, uh, what's the worst thing that can happen? It's 30 minutes of your life. You won't get back, but you'll learn about Hill and, and uh, some other fine Americans who are risking their lives for us to be able to listen to podcasts and be, be ridiculous. So uh, before we go though, what other, what other words of wisdom would you want to impart in dad? So hard nation. I think everyone needs to listen to your, to your um, podcast as well, because I remember during our first interview, you told me about your podcast. I went and checked it out, fell in love with it, and I have been following it since. And the fact, and I just want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak so openly about being a father. As you know, I take it very seriously. And to have this conversation, we've had this conversation off air, oh, yeah. but to have it on air, like this is something I, I, I admire and I appreciate. And I think more fathers should come on your show and at least to express themselves, get that chance to do that. Because not often we get to do that publicly. Like I said, we do it privately. Yeah, it sounds cool, but a lot of times, maybe it's us, we want to sound tough. But I Listen, think the, the phone lines, the phone lines are open. If anybody wants to be a guest, you can email me at dadsohardpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, uh, Hill, you are, you are always so generous. You are the most generous person. And I don't, I hope that comes through in this is that anybody that I know that has met you, that if you have a minute in your life to one day vision board meeting Hill in person, uh, you will come, you will come away feeling like, Oh my God, I should be a happier person. This guy is so happy. He is, you are, you are tremendously one of the nicest human beings that people I know and, and nice people, uh, uh, are hard to come by in this world because that also doesn't mean, uh, nobody's getting one over on you and nobody's walking all over you, but to be genuinely nice and authentic is the reason why you've been successful your entire career. It's the reason why you will continue to be successful uh, and it's the reason why everybody who's going to tune into Vet Talk with Hill is going to love it as much as Vinny, I do. You talk about I'm generous. Look at the nice things you always say about me. Hill, it's, a, it's, it's, it's because it's because I feel like I'm a terrible human being, and I need to be. I have to self-actualize. Hill, I, I know always how, say that to me, though. Even when we're at work, you say nice things to me, Vinny. Well, because it's so because I I literally realize how terrible of a human being I can be, and uh and when and 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 how like um. You know, everybody, I, listen, I'm a fun guy. I like to laugh. I like to smile. I am, I am filled with imperfections, right? Um, maybe I'm going to call, I'm going to start calling myself a piece of stained glass. When I'm all put together, it looks great, but it's filled with a ton of shards. <laughs> and this is, this body has been built on a, on a lifetime of other, other, other problems. Um, but that is what, that is what makes us all rise above. So Hill, thank you very much. Uh, it is, I'm going to be releasing this as a part of my celebration of November and Veterans Day and Veterans Month. Although it's not Veterans Month, it's Veterans Day in a, just in a few days here. So if you know anybody who's a veteran, just, you know, give them a tip of the hat. Uh, maybe give them a tip, throw them a 20 bucks. Who knows? Why not? That would be weird, though. Would it be weird if somebody just walk up, walked up to you and gave you 20 bucks? 
Vinny, my son is giving me crazy, driving me crazy because we were playing this puzzle game because we, we ordered these books. And he said, Daddy, you circled the wrong thing. So now he wants to fix did it. Did you circle? Uh, my question, Hill, did you circle $20? Because that's, we were, I was talking about just tipping veterans. I know, I heard that. And I said, that's good. I would mean, you want, if my- I gave you, if somebody walked up to you, gave you 20 bucks, would that be weird? No, not at all. I'll just say thank you, and yeah, I would. You say I'll, I'll, you say I'll receive that. Be like, I'll so receive does that, that mean I need to be in front of your house with a cup tomorrow, <laughs> waiting for my twenty? I don't know. <laughs> when are you going into the office? I can meet you at Penn Station with my <laughs> cup in my hand. Uh, well, the bad. Listen, you've already done your time in Afghanistan. The last thing I need to do is get you in Penn Station. Okay, that's the real <laughs> American war zone right now. It's crazy over there, isn't it? Listen, thank De Blasio is gone. Our hopes, Eric Adams, Obi Wan Kenobi. You are our only hope. For anybody <laughs> in New York, anybody in the New York tri-state area, if you're not an Eric Adams fan, I don't, I, I don't care what your politics are. Somebody needs to clean up this city, and I, I'm hoping this guy can do it. But um, we only time will tell. Hill, thank you very much, everybody. Thank you for listening again. Rate, review, share this. If you want to hear it, you think somebody else can hear, uh, benefit from listening to this, please share it. Lucas, we're going to give you the final word. Final word. What do you want to say? Bye. Bye, Bye everybody. Thank you for listening to the Dad So Hard podcast. If you want to hear more, and we're thrilled by this episode, but think, what did I miss? How do I, how do I hear more of this stuff? And I can't wait to next week. You can always go back to our old episodes and listen to them in our giant library. You can visit us at wearedadsohard.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Dad So Hard Podcast, or on Twitter, you Dad So Hard Pod. Uh, and if you want to reach out to us, please do not hesitate to send me an email at dadsohardpodcast at gmail.com. Danny and I are here. We are listening. We're excited. We cannot thank everybody for being part of Dad So Hard Nation. And we hope you guys have another wonderful day.